Comedy LOL Podcast Network. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast. Today's quote is, This is our big mistake, to think we look forward to death. Most of death is already gone. Whatever time has passed is owned by death. That quote is by Seneca. I'm not going to lie, honestly, looking at the quote and hearing you say it. When I first looked at it, I was like, I was a little confused by it, but I get it now. It's because that time is like dead and gone. Um, and I think what what I think I like about it is that I think so many people not necessarily look forward to death, but there's a fear associated with it. And it's like, do you fear your past? I mean, I guess maybe some people do, but you can look back on your past and learn from it. And I think if you use that to then think about your actual physical death, what that means, it makes it seem less scary. It's just using this knowledge potentially for a different experience. Yeah. And, um, you know, (laughs) everybody's so afraid of death and that's really what holds them back from living. And what they're, you know, he's trying to say here is it's a huge mistake because it's already gone and that should make you want to live more. (laughs) You know, you look at it, if you have that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this fear of death comes from like a fear of the unknown. And I think it's just very narrow minded. And maybe maybe humans are the only ones that have that fear. You know, I don't know. Do animals have that fear? I don't think so. A lot of times animals will fight each other to the death. And it's just like that's just what they do. And I think that humans think that they're on this elevated consciousness by knowing that they're going to die and then potentially being scared of it. But the reality is, is that prohibiting them from actually living out their, their true purpose, their best existence? Yeah. I think if they are living their life according to fear, then it is. I I think that just the knowledge of knowing that you're going to die doesn't damn you. But if you allow that knowledge to control your life, you know, and what I mean by that is like, if you allow your, if you're making your decisions on a daily basis based on fear, then you're living because of fear and then you know then you're not living the way you should is what mm-hmm. i say yep. and, and knowing that you, every part of existence is a series of deaths yeah exactly when you grow up your you know your childhood dies i had a problem with that i feel like i had a problem with like not wanting to grow up some might say i still have that problem um <laughs> <laughs> never <laughs> um yeah i disagree with that totally but um I think that keeps you in this childlike innocence or an attempt to be that, but it really isn't that. Um, It's just an attempt at maintaining that kind of school of thought. And I think there's a nice balance if you can understand that you don't have to give up everything, you know, Um, just because I'm an adult, quote unquote, doesn't mean that I can't have like a childlike wonder and um, sense of humor and look at things like with fresh eyes. Yeah, for sure. The imagination, right. that's the key, really. The imagination, I think, is the part that we lose from our childhood that we need to retain. 
And you know what's so interesting? And now I'm going to get off into my own thoughts on education here for a second. But, you know, when we were going to school, like in elementary school, it was very rote memorization, right? You had took a test, like a Scantron or something like that. And it basically was like, how well can you regurgitate back these facts to us? And now there's like this transition going back more towards like experiential type learning that's more hands-on. And it's, it's graded more on whether or not you can like apply these principles to other actual real life situations. Uh, you know, one of the big things that they're bringing back into uh, the science standards here is engineering. And I did nothing like that in school. And I think that for a lot of people that went through schooling like, like we did, it's very difficult to maintain and keep that level of creativity and imagination because you've been so trained to move away from it. It's like, no, remember this, memorize this, tell it back to me. And there's no real creativity there. Um, I was very blessed in having someone who was very similar to me to grow up with, my twin sister. And we were, we both had very similar, you know, um, ways of looking at things and, and interests. And we were always creative, but I had somebody there to kind of foster that. And I don't think a lot of people obviously do, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you say it, you know, trained and taught, and I'll say indoctrinated into the system of control. But yeah, either way, it's it's really what happens. It, you get the they just stamp out that imagination, that intuition, unfortunately. Right, and and you know, I think there's this now this mindset of like people need to like kids need to be entertained at all times, and it's like. I remember I had to make my own entertainment with my sister and we wouldn't make games out of anything. We didn't need to have a screen in front of us or we didn't need to have somebody doing something with us all the time. We could play by ourselves and that's what playing pretend is. And I think there's, there's a movement away from that. Um, and I think that helps bring about this sense of creativity. And that's where a lot of people with great ideas, I feel like initially get those, that those types of concepts fostered. Yeah, for sure. Go, Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just see it a lot of times, you know, and in, in when I do any kind of educational program and I give them like a blank sheet of paper, I'm like, you're going to draw, you know, whatever. Um, just just draw a machine that isn't invented yet. And so many kids are so confused because they're like, you're not giving me a picture to copy and I can't do it because I don't know what you're asking me for. And I'm like, well, you need to think about it and then just come up with something. And so many kids can't do it. They're really uncomfortable with that type of uh, freedom of expression. Yeah. And think about how uncomfortable they might be with freedom in other parts of their life. That's another scary subject we could talk about maybe sometime. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right. So let's get into what we're doing today. Today, we are looking at the Page of Pentacles. We have moved on from our numbers of pentacles. So we've done one through 10. You can listen back to those. Today, we're looking at the Page of Pentacles. We're going to look at the comparable card in the Thoth deck. And then we're going to talk a little bit about um, astrology. So uh, normally, what we do for this part of the podcast is I give a description of the card, uh, what it looks like, and then we go into initial thoughts, look at different aspects of it, and then see how it applies to different types of readings. Okay, so the Page of Pentacles. Um, I'm not going to give my initial thoughts here, but it's going to be very hard for me. The background is yellow. You see in the lower right-hand side, there's like a blue mountain. On the lower left-hand side, you see a bunch of trees. Below the mountain on the right-hand side, you see like, it looks like cultivated fields of some sort. So it's brown earth that looks like uh, there's like rows that have been plowed into it. And then the figure, the page, is standing kind of front and center. Um, 
the weight is going to be on their left foot. Their right foot is kind of pointed and they're standing on this grassy kind of hill where there are these flowers. The page is wearing this really fun red hat, this yellow tunic with like yellowish golden tights, uh, boots. And then it's wearing, they're wearing a gray like tunic over the golden one and it's green. And then they have this green or this golden belt that ties it together. And then in their hands, but at the very fingertips, they're holding on to this pentacle. So there's just one solitary pentacle there that the page is holding right in their fingertips. And the page is looking at that pentacle. Okay, initial thoughts here. What did you think? Um, Initially, it looks like somebody just found something, maybe some little treasure. And they're holding it up to examine it and check it out. Um, and it looks looks like a pretty peaceful scene. It doesn't look like there's any danger going on. So it looks overall like a good card. Mm-hmm. And so I, what I initially looking at um, is my eye is immediately drawn to the, the color in the card, the primary color that we see, which is yellow, which I love. Um, I'm just going to digress for a second. Brandon, obviously you can see this, but my nails are yellow. Oh, and- yeah. And Perfect. so, so many people have complimented me on these yellow nails. It's like every time I go anywhere, someone always says something about them. Um, I needed them for a meeting I had last week. They're my power color. So, but I'm just brought in by that yellow. And then I have the yellow that's obviously also in the pentacle. And it kind of reminds me like that same yellow in the pentacle looks almost like the same yellow in the sky, kind of like the gifts of this physical world. Like they're being enveloped in them besides just having this one pentacle. So I feel like this overwhelming wealth there. Like an abundance of of success or something like that. Um, all right, let's look at different parts of the card. Let's start off with the landscaping. So I'm talking about the mountain, the like um, little clump of trees and then i'm looking at that little field that looks like it's been tilled on top of the hill that the page is on it looks like he's kind of out just in um you know like in the grass where it's not it's nothing crazy like he's not out in the wilderness so he's out in familiar territory and it looks like he's out just kind of exploring having fun having a good time so i would think of somebody like a child who's out maybe like in the backyard something like that uh maybe out in the woods in the backyard but nothing where they're away from civilization because you could see that tilled field right there so to me that tilled field just represents the knowledge or um i'm sorry like familiarity like home you know it, it represents people who are civilized who know what they're doing they're creating food there's civilization there there's like order really is what's going on so he's not too far from that maybe that's where he's from maybe that's his home and then if you look at the trees in the background and then the mountain that could, those could represent what's on the horizon literally for him. What's in the future for him. He's got to go through that forest. He's got to conquer that mountain. That's his path. But you know, right now he's just kind of at the beginning of that, if you will, just, you know, to him, it might seem like the journey is over. Maybe he just, you know, like a high school graduate. It's like, yeah, it's finally over. But then you're like, Oh no, you got to turn around and look at what's ahead of you still. I'm so excited to hear to have heard your interpretation because I feel like a lot of times I, whenever you say things, I'm like, oh yeah, I can see that. But my interpretation for this one, I feel like was very different. Um, and this is just what I initially thought when I was looking at it. So to me, I see like four different types of environments here. I see a mountain, which to me is a representational of conflict or some kind of struggle, right? Going up the mountain, you've got this rocky terrain. 
I'm looking at this tilled field and I'm looking at that as like cultivating something, you know, whether it's practicing a specific skill or trying to learn more about something, but just kind of going in and putting in the work to, to achieve some kind of uh, success. If I'm looking at the trees, they're all very, very tall and I see them standing there together and I see that as representational of the success of that work and that motivation and the effort put in and the time put in and you have these trees that you can see are like very mature and they've grown they're not like these little saplings and then when I look at the area he's standing on it looks very natural and so we've talked about the page being this this figure that is young and kind of starting out in in various aspects of their life on different journeys and I feel like I see all of the stages of that journey in this picture I see the starting out where you kind of don't really necessarily know what you're doing. Um, and that's where they're standing right now. So it's very natural and it's just very um, organic. You see the struggle with the mountain, you see the effort with the field, and then you see that success with the trees in the background. And for me, it just very, seemed very cyclical. Yeah. I like that. You see all different stages of it. And I think it's really like we've talked about before, it's just really important that, you know, I think a lot of times um, there is a discrimination against somebody if they're just starting out in something, you know, if they're looking to better themselves in certain ways, especially by people in that particular field or things like that. You know, that's for me, I've always experienced that type of ageism where it's like I'm looked down on for maybe not having been in a field for 40 years. But I think that there's there is um there's a level of energy and dedication that comes with that, that youthfulness. And I think that this just sets this figure up for success and knowing that it's going to, there's going to be trials and tribulations along the way, but there can be like a light at the end of the tunnel or a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow or something like that. Yeah. It's, you can use that to, you can use that as a focus when you're going through those hard times, you can use the, um, either the memory of the good times that you had and, or the thoughts of the good times that are to come, you know, if you're putting in a lot of hard work or whatever it is, you're going to yield that, uh, those positive results. And I think it's also important to, to recognize <laughs> that even a master of something started off as a beginner at some time. Yeah, that's a great thing. Yeah. You always have to remember that. Exactly. You got to start somewhere. Exactly. And whereas you think that that person, you know, seems like they have it all together, maybe they're struggling to try to get to the next level, in which case they're like the page as well. Yeah, they're just one step up. So you don't really see it. Exactly. All right. So let's look now at the, the page. Let's look at um, let's look at his facial expression. What are your thoughts? Kind of looks like he's a little bit in awe and little wonder. He's mm -hmm. just kind of any, but he's definitely very transfixed on this pentacle. It's like his whole life. I think there's such a, a <clears throat> level of maybe like obsession that can occur when you're young with specific topics. You know, you get, a, you know, an infatuation. And that's kind of what this looks like to me. Like this, this like very naive infatuation with this, or maybe you don't really understand all of the concepts involved or the work it's going to take, but you know, that's, you think that's what you want, but you really don't know because you haven't had that experience yet. And I think, you know, at the point I am in my life, just thinking about like, you know, what I have going on, what I'm doing, I think we're all kind of 
trained to have this mentality of like, I want to be rich. I want to be rich. But the reality is like, at the point I am in my life, I'm like, I just want to be happy. Uh, Yeah. You know, like I want to be happy and, and not feel like a piece of shit and just kind of live out the best life I can. And obviously there are going to be things that will help that happen. Um, and there's going to be things that are going to hinder that from happening, but I don't think that the end all be all for me is like, I need to have all of this money and that's going to make me, you know, feel like enlightened or I get successful. I don't know. Well, it's because money is just a representation of the physical realm. So you could have a lot of money and you could be doing well, but that's just, it's like this pinnacle. That's what the pinnacles represent. But it just means that you may have mastered this physical realm but you might not still be happy because you don't have the spiritual realm you don't have your emotions you don't have the water part of it under control so um it it, and that's just showing an imbalance especially somebody has a lot of money but they have problems in other areas that's just showing an imbalance in their understanding really and i look at people who you know are like self-proclaimed like workaholics and and i don't know if they're wearing that as like a badge of honor and there are legitimately some people who probably really do love working but like i work so that i can enjoy the time that i'm not working my life is not consumed by my work um and for some people that might be a good thing for some people might be a bad thing but i just look at it as you know i i work and i'm capable of doing right now the job that i'm doing i'm i'm very fortunate that I do get to help people with it and it does get pay the bills. Um, and I do like it, but it also allows me to, like I said, maintain a level of happiness, which is what I'm trying to attain. Yeah. It's all about a balance. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, I've never been, I have actually, I have been guilty, especially when I first moved out here of not having that work-life balance. And I look back now and I feel like I, I missed out on so many opportunities because I was so fixated on chasing this level of success that I was never going to get, you know, well, that's, you know, now you learn from it though. So that's, it's a positive experience now because if you hadn't gone through it before, you wouldn't have known and, and you did it maybe on a smaller scale. Whereas now, if you did it, it'd be much larger with much more consequences. Mm-hmm. You know? um, all right. Now let's look at the outfit that the page is wearing. What are your thoughts? Um, it looks like it's an outfit that a traveler would be wearing. He looks like he's so to me, he just I'm thinking of somebody who's getting ready to get out on the road. And, you know, it mm-hmm. looks like he has nice new boots. Everything's brand new. I also like how I just noticed this now that his legs look proportionally pretty skinny. Because, mm-hmm. like, before I never really noticed it. But if you just look at his legs, they look so skinny. But if you think about someone who's new and he's a traveler but hasn't really walked that much, he's going to have weak legs, you know. He's going to maybe build them up later um, after he's climbed that mountain and everything. But for now, he's just like a kid, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what reminds you of he has that hat on. So he has protection from the elements in his mind. He thinks he's protected. And, you know, so I'm looking at his outfit. I love what you said, because it looks like the sleeve could appear like torn. But it also to me looks like a very specific type of like fringing that doesn't necessarily look like tattered. Nothing about his outfit looks like he's gone through any type of hardship or struggle. Um, And I love kind of the 
the simple color scheme that he has going on here where the his arms, like the under tunic, the belt, the tights, the boots are all very comparable in color. And then he has this like green uh, tunic over it. Um, and then I, I'm, you know, what really stands out is the hat. Yeah. You, in your description, the way you said it too, is pretty funny. What do you think about the hat? <laughs> um, I think that I, I like that. It, it kind of comes down um, over his shoulder. I feel like that for me was like uh, symbolizing this this kind of overtaking of the whole body of the wisdom of the mind. Um, I love that it's red because it really stands out. It's like honestly probably the most vibrant color in the entire card. Um, and I think maybe that's just showing he needs to use his wits and his his brain to kind of go on this journey. It's not going to be just like a, a journey of the physical. It's going to be a journey of the mental as well. Why? What were your thoughts? Oh, no. Um, I, I think what I could this the sash that comes down from the hat it looks like it could have been like maybe some kind of mask that he was wearing. And now or he or she they're unmasked. So it could represent using this power to its full potential for the first time or just maybe recognizing the potential, the power, just unmasking it. Mm hmm. I love that. Um, I think that, you know, again, nothing in these cards, I think, is just by accident. It all is very purposeful. And so I really appreciate kind of the the brightness of that hat uh, to kind of liven up the card a little bit. Um, okay, so let's say this card came up in a general reading. What would you say? Uh, this could represent a bunch of different things. I mean, we always talk about how the page, I'm sorry, how the court cards could represent a person in the, in the Aquarian's life. <clears throat> so I could tell that I would say to the person, maybe this represents someone in your life could usually it's a younger person, but it also could represent maybe a path, a new path that you're on. Um, maybe it's a new hobby that you found a new job maybe cause it's pentacles. So in that physical realm, but it could also be something like a new workout regimen, or maybe you're taking up a martial art, or like I said, you're just starting and beginning on the path. That's really what this signifies. It's really the beginning of the journey. Yeah. And I love, I, you know, for me, depending on who the, who it is that I'm doing a reading for, if they're not starting out on something, cause I totally agree with literally everything you just said. I also look at it as an opportunity to kind of provide mentorship or guidance to somebody um, that maybe isn't a similar field as you or similar realm or who's just lacking that. And they need somebody to kind of help guide them. So you're looking to somebody who does lack experience um, to say like, Hey, let me show you. Um, because I think that, not everyone is always going to be starting off on a new journey. I mean, I, I would be hopeful that a lot of people would always be trying to challenge themselves to grow and expand, but I don't think that's always the case. So if this did come up, I look at it one of those two ways. Yeah, I like that. That's good because you're right, because not everyone's on a new path or new journey, but everybody who has mastered any, a path can help somebody else. That's really the best way. All right, uh, let's, you know, let's say this came up in a relationship reading. What would you say? Uh, this could represent, you know, this could represent a child. This could represent new life because it's mm -hmm. the, it's the initial card in the, with the court cards. So it's that first, uh, initial force. It can also represent maybe a new relationship. 
or just a new part of the relationship, a new, um, like a turning point in the relationship. Maybe it's a marriage, you know, like <clears throat> he's sitting there, he could be presenting this. So this could be presenting. And if you think of pentacles, now they're called diamonds. So he's like literally holding a diamond out. So this could represent that too. Um, I said that if this came up and you're in a relationship, maybe it's the start of a relationship because I do feel like there's this infatuation aspect there, but I also, oh, sorry. Um, I think that, that it's trying to, if you're not in a new relationship, maybe there's a sense of like trying to maintain that level of like interest and infatuation or, or quote unquote honeymoon period, as people would call it. Um, because you know, it, it, those types of feelings do fade after, you know, a significant amount of time and trying to maintain those helps keep this, this level of interest and intrigue in a relationship. I'm saying that if you're single, I'm looking at this of like, don't try to put the idea of being in a relationship or a person on a pedestal or have this illusion of like, I think sometimes people can be very flashy in the dating world and like kind of put out this, this, facade of who they are and how they live and you don't need to do that because somebody who actually who you actually should end up with would like just you and it's it's such a it's such work to try to keep up that kind of game you know yeah. and it's like tricks are for kids you know what I mean yeah yeah it, it's it's all about being true to yourself really and and it has to do with the balance because if you're going to be with somebody else obviously you can't just be selfish but you also have to make sure your needs are met as well as the needs of the other person are met and, and like nobody's getting, um, you know, stepped on basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, all right. Let's say this came up in a career reading. What would you say? This, um, well, I guess it's pretty obvious. You'd probably say maybe a new career, but I also like taking what you said about mentorship because this could be, this could represent the next generation. So if you're in a line of work or a field or somewhere, you also have to remember that it's not about you and what you're doing now, especially if what your job is, what you're doing, if it's essential to mm -hmm. society. Yes. Um, you know, you have to remember the next generation. You have to teach them and you have to bring them up the right way. And I think that sometimes it's, you know, one of the lessons I've just been writing is it's for a camp we're going to be doing this summer. And it's kind of tasking kids with thinking outside the box and kind of just like I said about the new relationship where there's this infatuation, this interest, I think kind of looking sometimes at things from different angles kind of renews that, that interest and that dedication and that um, kind of pushing yourself to do better at work. Obviously along the lines of also, if you're going to be starting a new project or a new job or something like that, if this was a particular job, I said that it could be like a teacher. Um, because I think about every year kind of you are starting this new cycle with this brand new group of kids and you are kind of maintaining this sense of mentorship and leadership over them and kind of guiding them in the actual physical world to either expand their knowledge or, or social skills. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on this before we move on? Um, no, I think we about nailed it so cool. far. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> All right. So we are going to, uh, now look at a comparable card in a different deck. And so for this part of the podcast, Brandon normally gives a description of the card and we just kind of talk initial thoughts. All right. So today we're talking about the princess of discs in the Alistair Crowley Thoth deck. And um, 
This card is it basically it, there's like a feminine looking figure central top of the card. It looks like she has horns. She has some kind of spear that looks like it's facing down with the point is it's like um, what kind of shape is that? What would that be? Like a diamond. Yeah, I guess like a diamond, right? I guess you could say that. So it looks like it's like a diamond. And then in her left hand, she has what looks like it's a shield with a yin yang in the middle and then patterns coming out. Um, looks like she has some kind of, I don't know if you, it's like a cloak or maybe like a, a big coat that is a fur. Um, and personally herself, it looks like she's wearing a, like a nightgown kind of, and she has braided hair that comes down and then behind her is all these woods. And then behind the woods, it looks like there's a mountain and her head looks like it's at the tip of the mountain. So you can't really see it. And there's a yellow sky in the background. And um, under her, it looks like she's just maybe stepping on more of this cloak or whatever it is. Maybe it's like a path or something. I can't really tell. I would suggest checking it out for yourself. Um, and then at the bottom of these trees, it looks pretty cool because it looks like where they go into the ground, you could still see their roots. And it looks like they just continue on down. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, all right. Looking at it, did you think she was pregnant? Um. It's possible. It's like she could be first stages or just like healthy, <laughs> you know, extra healthy. I mean, <laughs> she's healthy. Um, so like I took it as kind of this, this, as she was, you know, obviously full of, of life and um, kind of bringing forth into this world, like this new kind of energy so I did say that she, to me, she does look pregnant, especially like that lower part of the belly. Um, yeah. And, and it, you know, she has all these natural things around her. The horns that she's wearing is like a crown and like a sheepskin. And then you got the woods and she has the spear. And then it looks like there's this um, stone kind of column. And I love all of these different aspects of the material world and that she's front and center. And she just looks like kind of controlling them, but not in like a very domineering aggressive type of way and i also yeah. love the sense of calm that she has on her face because the the trees and the branches and the stuff in the background can look very intimidating yeah she but it's it's like calm but also could be like a little maniacal maybe i don't know i can't quite tell <laughs> mm -hmm. i could for sure see that yeah um i also love the the yin yang that she has on her like shield or whatever so obviously this looks like a um it looks more like to me like a flower or something but i like that there's like you know this is one of the things i do have as a tattoo i love the idea of there being a balance um there and kind of a balance in i'm looking at it in like balance of nature oh that was one of the lessons i actually just wrote like a couple years ago um but this balance of like the life cycle of things and there needs to be balance in the world. Otherwise, you know, if you tip the scale, it could have catastrophic results. Yeah. It's very important to remember balance is key. And I love that on her spear, it looks like there's like power emanating out from the, the end of it where like the little diamond is, it looks almost like she's like um, magical or something. Oh yeah. Like there's light or some kind of magical beam. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I also like that pyramid in the background behind the trees because it it kind of shows you that maybe the the truth or the way or the path can be hidden. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is just one of the ways to the path. Yes, absolutely. 
I just honestly like I really appreciate this card. Um, to me, it seems maybe like it doesn't fit so much with the the most of the disc cards we've seen so far. Yeah, no, not really at all. Um, so I'm very interested in seeing what the other court cards look like here because she really stands out to me at least. Um, all right. Any final thoughts here before we move on? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Okay. So if you listen to last week's episode, you know that I talked a little bit about wanting to talk about birth charts and astrology and kind of what the major signs are. So Brandon is going to post the link so you can go in and look up your own birth chart. I think it's very interesting. And at the end of the day, I'm not saying people need to live their life by it. I think it can be very insightful just to know what everything looked like in terms of positioning, uh, when you're born. So, um, and Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong. If you want to do your own birth chart, you don't have to pay money for it. Um, but what you need is place of birth and time of birth. Yes. Mm-hmm. And obviously date of birth, duh. But yeah, well, that one everyone knows usually. <laughs> right. Um, and do we need anything else? No, that's really the only thing you have to fill in. And I'll leave the link um, to the site and it'll, it gives you all your positions and all the planets and sun sign, moon sign, all that stuff. Okay, so that's kind of what I wanted to get into a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about what these four types of signs are. And when we're saying signs, what we mean is not like, what's your sign as in like, I'm a cancer. There are specific categories, right? Um, And so, Brandon, I'm going to guess that you're more well-versed in this than I am. But we both have a similar book that we use. Honestly, it's because he was the one that showed me it, and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Okay, so the first sign we'll talk about is the sun sign. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Okay, so the sun sign is more like um, it's the size, the face that you put out to the world. And that's really what most people are familiar with. So if you look at astrology, like in a newspaper or when you were born, or if you look at your date of birth, you're going to get the sun sign. So that's really what most people are familiar with. But the problem is there's so much more to that. So if you think of your own personality, and you think of the, the face that you put out to the world. So when you're out in public, when you're out with a big group of friends and you're out with people, this is the personality that you project to everybody. So it's what you're most known for. It's not the inner self that you it's not the inner dialogue that you have with yourself or the thoughts that you have or when you're alone, what you do. This isn't what we're talking about. So the sun sign is really everything you're projecting. And that's why it's really the, it's the sun sign because it's the most important because like we said it's the one that most people see it's what you radiate just like the sun shines out this is what you radiate. What I think is interesting about this is obviously you know there's only 12 signs in the zodiac and so um, a lot of people will say like I don't identify with my sign and it's just because they're identifying with solely their sun sign. Now Brandon you and I have the same sun sign right we're both cancers. Yes. Mm-hmm. And some might say that's the best sign in the Zodiac, but I digress. <laughs> so do you feel like that is an accurate representation of you and your sun sign as a cancer? Yeah. Now that I've gotten uh, more in depth with everything and I see how everything relates. Yes, for sure. I'm pretty, <clears throat> it's pretty accurate, especially when, if you get down to the, um, the decantes, the decantes, I think they call them, or decantes, which is it like 
breaks it up into three more groups, which it makes it even a little more specific. But yeah, no, for sure. What about okay. you? So I definitely, I've always identified as a cancer. That was actually the first tattoo I ever got was my star sign. Um, I've always felt that that was very representational of me. Um, and at different aspects of my life, there are different things that I kind of gravitated towards in terms of like personality traits. I definitely see myself as um, maternal, but in in a sense of obviously like I have my dog who I am, I am her mom, um, but in terms of liking taking care of people. And I feel like I do that at work. And I feel like I do that in my friend circle. Like I am that like mom person who just enjoys doing that. And that's, as we talked about love languages earlier, like my love language that I always employ is acts of service. So I'd rather show people that I love them by taking care of them um, as opposed to buying them something. So I do feel very maternal. I do feel very um, protective, especially as of late, maybe in the past year or so, kind of having developed this harder exterior. And then, you know, you have to kind of break through that to get to the inside. Um, I've always felt very intuitive and, I think that the only thing that's hard for me to, to kind of relate to with cancer is um, this concept or this thought that they're very um, emotional. And a lot of people look at that as like dramatic. I follow a couple different like meme accounts and they'll give like a different meme for each star sign every day. And cancers is always like, I'm going to keep crying. And it just makes it, and I'm always like, Oh, come on. You know? And for me, it's like, I think that there's this idea of that, if you do have feelings and you can express them that you're quote unquote emotional, it kind of has this negative connotation, which is why it's hard for me to say that I feel like I have that one because, because I feel like it's been so ingrained in me. Like, don't be so emotional. So you think that's because <clears throat> everybody expects it so much that you just try to like fight it kind of. Well, and it has like a negative thing, like, and especially being a female, it's like, oh, you're just being emotional. And it's like, well, everyone's allowed to have feelings. And I think everyone, you know, has feelings. It's just whether or not they're allowing them to come out. And I think it takes true strength to be okay letting your feelings out and saying, you know, this is just what I am. Um, I was talking to this woman um, that I met at this restaurant down the street from where I live. And she was like talking about um, her divorce and she was, she was starting to cry. And I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like you're getting upset. And she's like, I honestly don't even care about crying in public anymore. Like I own my tears. And I think there's such a strength in that. Whereas other people look at it and become uncomfortable and they're like, Oh, they're really emotional. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There, well, like anything, there's a balance, but you're right. I think it's better to express those emotions and get them out there. All right. So the next sign we're going to talk about in terms of like categories of signs, and you, I know listeners, you can't see me, but I just did like air quotes, um, is our moon sign. So Brandon, what is a moon sign? Um, the moon sign is some say was, is the second most important sign. And this sign is, um, the sign of yourself. This is your innermost self. The, it's the, like I said before, the, your inner dialogue. And when you're home alone, it's all about introversion. So when you're introverting, and this is a term that you, so you can introvert or extrovert. So when you're introverting, it's when you're by yourself or with one other person. And when you're extroverting, it's when you're with three or more people and you're expressing. So it's just two different uh, ways to express yourself. So the moon sign is really all about the introversion. <clears throat> and depending on if you're an introvert or extrovert, 
is how it's going to manifest itself. But this is kind of how you prefer things. Um, it, it has to do with um, yourself emotionally, how you take things and how you deal with things and how you process things. Um, I'm trying to think what else I could add. It's it's like your instincts and emotions or in your unconscious emotions, really. And and so is there a specific way of figuring out a moon sign? I mean, besides like just knowing what is um, going on and putting in this in your chart. It's like, how do you figure out figure that out? Well, if you don't if OK, so if you don't have access to a chart, I would say the chart would be the best way to do it. But if you don't have access to it. The best way to do it would be to kind of get either a book or find somewhere online where they describe all the different signs mm-hmm. and read through and see what one uh, resonates with you the most, I would say. Maybe that would be one way to do it. It's going to be tough and you have to really be honest with yourself. But if you know your <laughs> if you know your time of birth and your place of birth, it's much easier to just put it in. This is like the second thing that's going to come up is your moon. And when you this is what I always try to show people is the moon sign the first thing because it is the sign of your yourself so it's the one that people are going to resonate with the most and people are so unfamiliar with this because we're always told like in the newspaper and everything it's all about your sun sign it's all about your sun sign so this is where the confusion comes from and when people i you know every time i turn people onto their moon sign they're like wow this is crazy i'm like yeah isn't it it is pretty crazy so so do you know off the top of your head what your moon sign is uh yeah i'm a virgo okay and and do you feel like that identifies like your you know side that you don't show as you can hear there's there's my dog um exactly she's like no just talk about the sun sign (laughs) um do you feel like that really kind of represents you know who who you are what you don't show people your inner person yeah i think so because it's it's about um, intellect and logic and stuff like that. So from what I've read and, um, also the feelings too, because since I'm a cancer, when I, when I express my emotions to the world, it's like a cancer, but the way I feel it, it's more like a Virgo mm-hmm. where I'm, I'm not as uh, I'm more like logical about things, I guess I could say. Um, also I'm more, um, well, there goes my cat now trying to trying to describe or trying to describe how I am. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm also more uh, introverted overall. So I think that I'm more I would rather be around less people than more people. Not that I, I can't, you know, I, I do very well around large groups of people because of my job and everything. But that's not my default setting. That's work or whatever it is. And then I'd rather just come home and chill out and relax and, um, you know, study something. Um. My moon sign is Libra, actually. Um, and actually. so I know. But, and so um, what I think is very interesting is so like just looking through here where it says moon in Libra. Um, that I'm adaptable and creative and charming. But what I really love about this book is it kind of calls out kind of negative attributes also of the moon sign, which I think is something that you wouldn't necessarily put out to the world or at least you know, most people wouldn't want to put that out to the world. They try to hide those things. And it kind of says like, okay, it makes you just realize like, is this actually like me? Like my dark side says that I'm indecisive, which it can be self-indulgent, 
frivolous. <laughs> you know, those are all the things that are like, I don't ever want to identify myself like that. But then I can look at some of the things that I do and I'm like, okay, maybe I could see that for sure. Um, and I think that what I like is that um, because my moon sign is, is Libra, which we know is the scales. I think that helps give me that balance that I was just talking about when it comes to emotions. So maybe that's why I'm not like overly emotional all the time. Not that there's a bad thing with that, but um, I think that it kind of helps give me that perspective. Yeah. Well, I, I like how they relate to each other because, so for example, I'm a Virgo moon, but I have a sun sign in cancer because water, um, I have a water sun sign because it's okay. cancer. That's what I was trying to say. So it says uh, here that you are blessed with a rare combination of psychic truth and hard-headed realism. Yes. hundred because- percent. I feel like that's you. Yeah, that's so it's great. But there's also negative attributes, too, like you said. Um, let's see if I could try to find some of these over here. Uh, oh, yeah. So it says lunar Virgos are afraid of anger and feeling vulnerable and tend to live in the illusion that their love lives are calm, stable and under control. So it's kind of like you could in love relationships, you could fall victim to kind of just falling into a routine and just telling yourself that everything is OK when things aren't. So mm-hmm. like you got to be aware of that. So yeah, it's good to know that because then you could see your blind spots. And because the way everybody is, you know, nobody's perfect, obviously. And the way that you perceive reality is different than everybody else. And if you could figure that out, then you could see what you might be missing because you're not very acute. It's just like the um, Myers-Briggs personality test. It really reminds me of that because, you know, some people like, for example, my personality I'm an INTP, so I'm really not aware of the physical realm. So I'm always like dropping my cell phone and knocking stuff over and breaking shit because it's just not real to me. You know, like mm-hmm. I'll put something on a like I'll, I'll put something on the counter and not even look at it and be like, it'll be fine and just falls. Like I go to put my cell phone in my pocket, it's fine, it just falls out on the ground. You know, so I I my Myers Briggs is INTJ and it definitely is like so spot on for me. Um. And it's somebody that always feels like they need to correct someone, <laughs> which I think is, again, could be like very negative. But I I don't look at it at all as being condescending. I look at it as like I would want somebody to call me out if I've made a mistake because I don't ever want to make that same mistake again. Um, all right. Now, let's talk about ascendant signs. What is that? Um, the ascendant is, it's similar to like a sun sign, but so the sun sign is the way that you radiate your personality, but an ascendant is more of the way that people perceive you. Mm-hmm. It's the way that the general public sees you. So similar, uh, I guess you would say to a sun sign that it's an outward thing, but this is just their perception. So it's another side of perception whereas you perceive the way you do things as a cancer and then other people are going to see that but then also view it through your ascendant does that make sense okay and what is your ascendant sign uh libra and how does that relate to you it says that a libra is most pleasing and harmonious uh harmonious it's the most pleasing and harmonious ascendant i'm sorry so if you have libra rising you have a natural charm grace and poise you're extremely social minded, take pleasure in being with other people, um, parties, holidays. So like I said, this is all stuff. So I'm an, I'm technically I'm an introvert, but I do enjoy doing all these things mm-hmm. so I can go out and people see that about me. 
Um, but all, another aspect of this is that I'm kind of like a people pleaser. So a lot of times I'll do that just to make people happy or I just kind of like say yes to go with the crowd. And that's part of or just to kind of not really to go with the crowd. That's kind of the wrong way to say it. Maybe just to go with the flow. I'm just like, all right, fine. We'll do this wherever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I will overextend my obligation. So that's a, a negative part of that that I have to always watch out for. Um, what about you? I am, I believe, a Pisces. Um, which I thought was interesting because it's another water, right? Another water one, another water sign. Um, but double water. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just think it's very interesting that it ties, you know, obviously I've always identified as a a water sign and I love the idea that, um, you know, two of the the things that we were talking about kind of make me seem like I, that's, you know, I am an actual water sign. Um, all right. And then the last sign that I wanted to talk about, maybe I didn't want to talk about anything else. Is there another sign? Uh, well, there's all different kinds of planets and stuff, but I think I think we could leave it there. I, I mean, I could say something a little bit about the Pisces Ascendant because I found it here. Um, mm-hmm. It says, with Pisces rising, you carry within yourself a strong artistic gift that must sooner or later find expression. So that sounds like you. You have an active <laughs> fantasy life and a pronounced romantic outlook. You want life to be perfect And since it isn't, you choose not to see what you don't want to see. Deep down, many rising Pisceans believe that they alone are destined to suffer disillusionment in life. Sometimes others sense their secret sorrow in you. I'm sorry. Sometimes others sense this secret sorrow in you. Often you feel you were born at the wrong time in the wrong place. And you're strongly drawn to the past. Yes. (laughs) From a different era, for sure. There you go. Anyway, I think it's just, it's really interesting and definitely look it up. So Brandon will post the link onto our Instagram um, so you can do your own uh, sign. I would love to hear from you if you feel like it's, you know, on point or not. I've done this for my family um, and so many of them initially were very hesitant about it. And then they were like, wow, wow, <laughs> um, yeah. a little, little spot on there, a little uncomfortable. Um, all right, Brandon, do you have anything you'd like to say before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, check this part out in the Pisces Ascendant. It says, it often happens with Pisces Ascendants that a person who was an adversary in early years becomes a valuable friend later on. You may sometimes have trouble with a first marriage because of in-laws or relatives. As a rising Piscean, you're probably fond of children. Your own children usually bring you pride and happiness. I just wanted to read that part about the friend later on. That's always interesting because that's happened to me before where like you're kind of enemies with somebody, but then you become good friends with them. Yes. So mm-hmm. no, I think that's about it. If you guys want to make sure you go to our Instagram and check out the cards at terrible two T A R O T B U L L two on Instagram, go to our website at comedy LOL.com. Uh, you could subscribe there. You could uh, donate there. That's a really, really big one. You can use our Amazon portal to do your shopping. And also remember you can find the podcast at terrible T A R O T B U L L dot com. And until next week, everybody. Stay, stay terrible. terrible. Comedy, LOL, Podcast Network.